0: have been outwardly successful but internally bound so Satan doesn't mind you having that he doesn't mind you looking nice on the outside your weavers on fleek your outfit looks nice your makeup is great you look like you have it together but you're internally breaking he loves that because to the world you look fine but internally you're destroyed Kika Shanike is a much sought-after speaker and teacher of the Word of God she's been guest on Christian TV and radio platforms in the UK Sharing with audiences insights on intimacy, family structure, and wholeness. Kika preaches a message that brings freedom and deliverance to the lives of her audience. Her practical, sincere, and down to earth style of ministry has found a ready audience in the younger generation. She is the founder of Pure Hearts, a UK charity, and considers God's unwavering love, her service to Jesus and the body of Christ. Her greatest heart's treasures. Please welcome to Pursuit of God 2020, Kika Ashanike. Hi, Jesus House. My name is Kika. I'm a preacher, a teacher, and a lover of the Lord. I'm so excited to be able to sit with you guys today to share with you at the Pursuit of God conference. I know it's a little bit different, I'm sure, to the years that you've had before, but you know what? I'm just thankful that God has still created a platform that we can all be able to sit, to learn and to hear what the Lord is saying to the body of Christ as a whole and especially to your congregation as a whole also. I'd like to take a minute to say thank you to Pastor Agu and Pastor Shola for being so kind to extend an invitation out to me to be able to speak to you the things that God has laid on my heart concerning the topic of intimacy with God. Now, I say the topic of intimacy with God, but if I'm honest, for me, intimacy with God is a lifestyle. I got saved at the age of 17. Um, I followed a boy to an event, funny enough, and salvation was at the end of that following for me. And after I came to know the Lord, being the only immediate Christian within my family at the time, it was really interesting for me in knowing the Lord. I would do things like sit in my bedroom, just sit on the floor, and just desire to hear the voice of God. I believed I could. Now, I don't know if you want to call that audacity or childhood childlike faith, but I just had this innate belief that I could hear from God. I believed that I could ask God a question and that God could answer me back. I believed I could have a dream and I could say to him, God, what does that mean? And I could wait for him and he would give me the interpretation. Now, I think that childlike faith and that childlike belief, it literally extended into my wider relationship with God. And I was able to really believe him as the God who desires to know his people and the God who wants to be intimate with his people. So, I pray that I'll be able to share with you today some of my journey with walking intimately with God and the more than anything that I'll be able to stir you on and spur you on to desire an even more intimate relationship with God. You know, one thing that I've learned in my journey and my walk with the Lord is that nothing is ever enough. You never catch God, you never arrive. You never get to the place where you can say, oh, I know God now, I'm done. It really is, He is the gift that keeps on giving. Every time I see a facet of God that amazes me, there's just another facet of him again that I come to learn and brand new and afresh. So I'm gonna be speaking today from different points the Lord has given to me to teach you guys and to give you guys um, and to share. And I pray that it will touch somebody's heart and I pray that your passion to know him would be stirred all the more. So just before we start, I'm just gonna say a word of prayer and let's see how the Lord takes us, amen. So Father, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, that you're such a good God. I thank you that you are the God who desires to know your people intimately. I thank you that you didn't just die on the cross of Calvary. You rose again and you extended out a hand of love, a hand that says, I want to know you. I desire to know you. I thank you, Lord God, that as you've placed this message of intimacy with God on the hearts of even the leadership team at Jesus' house, I thank you, Lord God, that it's your call and your desiring for us to respond. And I pray, Lord God, that wherever we are, whoever we are, our desire would be to say, yes, Lord, here I am. Your servant is listening. In Jesus name we pray, amen. And Father, I thank you the words that leave my mouth will be words directly from your throne room that would reach somebody exactly where they are. In Jesus name, amen. So I wanted to start um, with this point. And this point is this, when all else fades away, intimacy must remain. When all else fades away, intimacy must remain. I was speaking to one of my friends, um, who's a fantastic apostle of the Lord, and I asked her and I said, what would you say to anybody about intimacy with God? And she gave an analogy that I think only the Lord could have given. (laughs) And she said this, she said, imagine a married couple and they have children. And one day those children go off to university and they get married and they move out of the house. But the parents spent so much time focused on parenting those children, they forgot to have a relationship with each other. So they spent so much time being mum, so much time being dad, so much time carpooling the children, taking them to rehearsals, feeding the kids and making sure the kids were clothed, that they forgot to have a marriage. Now, when the kids leave and the kids fly the nest, what's left of that is a damaged marriage. They are forced to sit in a house with each other and realize they never knew one another. They were so busy being parents, so busy being mom and dad that they forgot to be husband and wife. And she said to me, that is what intimacy with God is like. And I thought to myself, how many of us spend so much time being busy about the things of God that we forget to actually have a relationship with God? I think of when Jesus says in the word and he says many will come to me on that day and they'll say Lord, Lord didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we build a church in your name? Didn't I run a ministry in your name? Didn't I preach in your name? Didn't I write books in your name? Raise children in your name? Run a company in your name? And my goodness the Lord may turn around and say you did all of these things but like that couple who were so busy being active, they forgot to be married. I actually don't know you. And that, that scares me. (laughs) That scares me because it makes me want to check my heart to say, God, let me never be so busy being about your business that I actually forget to be about you. when the Lord is calling for intimacy, I believe the Lord is calling for repentance. I believe the Lord is saying, put down your works and come and be. You know, as people, if this, if this whole coronavirus and COVID season has taught us anything, it should have taught us the value of being still, the value of sitting still, the value of all of these things that we do. We wake up in the morning, we get dressed, we rush to work, we come back home, we get dressed again to go for drinks with our friends, or we go to dinner and we cook and we do this and we're with the kids and we're cleaning the house and we're doing all of these activities. But the sad thing is, we can forget to keep the main thing, the main thing. And knowing our maker, that is the main thing. So that's a point of encouragement to start with, is that when all else fades away, intimacy has to remain. When the activity is gone, when all the things that we're doing is gone, what's going to last? What's going to stand? Can your relationship with God stand the test of time? But everything else is stripped away, can Jesus look at you and say, aside from what you did for me, aside from the activity that you did for me, did I know you? Did we have a relationship? Do I know your voice? Do you know my voice? You know, it, it, it astounds me how my mom could be in a market somewhere and she could call my name. And just by the reason and the virtue of the sound of her voice, I can know that my mother is calling. I can know that that's her voice. Can you know the voice of God the same way? Have you learnt his voice? Have you cultivated his voice? Do you know what it is when God is speaking to you? Can you say that was God? And I believe that that's what Jesus died for. Not just for your salvation. Not just for your sin. But for your intimacy with God. The Bible says that we can now come boldly before the throne of grace. Yes for grace to receive mercy for our sins. But also the fact is you can come. There there was a time when we couldn't come to the throne of grace. We couldn't come boldly. But now the Lord says you can come boldly to that throne of grace. He's made a way. But I believe by putting this message of intimacy with God on your leadership's heart, I believe God is calling Jesus' house that we would come more into divine intimacy with him. God is saying, hey, listen, my arms are wide open. I'm asking my people to come home, come into me and see intimacy. Come into me and see. To see what? To see yourself. You know, one thing that I've realized is that when I've come to know God, the more I see him, the more I see myself. You know, the saying goes that what you behold, you become The more that I see Jesus, the more I see, number one, who I want to be, and number two, who I can be. I see the picture of a perfect God-man who's calling me and saying, Kika, how I am is how you can be. It really is a sensational and a divine call. And I believe that is what God is calling his bride, his people into in this season. The next point I have down is intimacy is the heart that searches out for God. Intimacy is the heart that searches for God Scripture lets us know that it's the glory of God to hide a matter, but it's the glory of kings to unveil it, to search it out. God hides a matter. He conceals it, but then he beckons you and I to come and he says, my daughter, my son, come and find the matter. It really is the most beautiful game of hide and seek, but the beautiful thing about our God is that he says, I will let you find me. I will let you find me. I want to see how much you desire me. So I will conceal myself. I will hide myself in a place where it's not easy to find. And that's the one thing I want to just point out. The intimacy with God, is not an easy fate, you know? It's not something that's easy to have. It's hard work. It's hard work to come to know God. It's not easy. And the reason it's not easy is because God knows his value. God knows his value. If you had a cheap, I don't know, my ladies will understand. If you had some cheap piece of jewelry, you might not mind leaving the cheap piece of jewelry around. Maybe the kids might get to it. Maybe somebody might pick it up, but it's cheap. It costs like two pounds, whatever. you get a new one, right? But if you have earrings that cost like 20,000 pounds, you are not leaving that thing lying around. Even if it costs 200 pounds, you are not leaving it lying around because you know what that thing costs you. The value of that thing causes you to hide it. God knows his value. So God says, I hide myself. I conceal myself. And then I wait to see the heart that is desperate for me enough to come into me and see and search out the matter of me. I have the scripture written down. It is... um. It's a parable that Jesus says in Matthew 13 and 44. He says the kingdom of God is like a man who finds treasure in a field. And then he says that man, he goes away. First of all, he buries the treasure that he finds. Then he goes away. He sells everything that he has. And then he comes back with the money and he buys the entire field that had that treasure in it. What is God saying with that parable? Jesus is saying that whatever is worth having is worth giving everything for. What are you willing to give up for your time with God? What are you willing to give up for a heart that's desperate to know God? For a lot of us, it's this thing right here. It's distraction, it's telephone, it's Instagram, it's social media. For some of us, it's activity, it's works. For some of us, it's even the things that we're doing with God that are keeping us from God. And you know, that's bewildering to me because sometimes it's so easy to spend so much time focused on the things of the kingdom that we negate the king. And we can't do that. We can't spend so much time on the things of the kingdom that we forget to have a relationship with the king of the kingdom. One thing that I'm learning with God is Kika, if you seek first his righteousness, Matthew 6 and 33, He will add all things to you. That is, if you search for the king, the kingdom comes with him anyway. But sometimes the enemy can try and trick our mindset to doing, doing for God. When God doesn't call us to do, he calls us to operate from a place of rest. He says, come to know me, come into me and see, be intimate with me, have a heart that desires to know me, says God. And in that place where your heart desires to know me, the works of your hands will be fruitful anyway. Amen. I have another point here. And I was thinking about Peter. When Peter says to Jesus in Matthew 16 and 16, Peter says to Jesus, he says, listen, there's a lot of talk going about town, going around about town about you. Many people are wondering, like, who are you? You know, people are wondering what they want. Are you Elijah? Who are you? And Jesus says this to Peter. And I believe this is a principle that the Lord has for each and every son and daughter of God. And it's this, God says to Peter, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Jesus was not interested in Peter's chitter chatter. And Peter was being quite sly, you know, because really and truly what Peter wanted to know, okay, was Jesus, who are you? But he didn't have the guts to ask him himself. So he said, listen, other people are saying this about you. So I'm just asking, you know, for the, for the peoples, who are you? And the Lord says to Peter, forget about other people. Who do you say I am? And I believe God is asking you that question today. He's saying, who do you say I am? To you, who am I to you? What revelation of God is on the inside of you? What personal revelation of the master do you have? God is saying, who do you say that I am? And Peter, by the spirit of the Lord, he says this. He says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says this to Peter. He says, flesh and blood didn't tell you that. But my father in heaven, it was revealed to you, Peter, flesh and blood didn't tell you that. And you know, the beautiful thing about that scripture, I always used to read it and think Jesus was saying to Peter that flesh and blood didn't tell him, a.k.a. nobody else told you that. And in one breath, he is saying that. But he's saying to Peter, flesh and blood didn't tell you that, a.k.a. including yourself. Your own flesh and blood didn't tell you that. Jesus is saying that was an upload from the spirit of the Lord. That was an upload, a revelation from heaven. And I believe that's what God wants in intimacy with each and every single believer. God wants us all to be so intricately in relationship with him that we have a heavenly experience of a a relationship with him. He wants us to be able to experience him in a way that even our own intellect couldn't tell us that this is the thing about Jesus. He wants there to be a a heavenly experience, an upload, an inner revelation of who he is. And that can only be found, saints, in the place of intimacy. It can only be found in the place of intimacy. I preached a message once and I, I spoke about the fact that it's not possible to hear the heartbeat of a person whilst you're standing two meters or three meters away from them. It's not possible to hear someone's heartbeat through the camera screen. It's not possible to hear someone's heartbeat when you're standing away from them. But when you come close to the Father's heart and you lay your head on his bosom, that's when you can hear his heartbeat. When you come close enough to God, that's when you can feel him. That's when you can sense him. And I believe with everything in me that that is the kind of relationship, you know what, I will go as far as saying no other relationship will do. No other relationship will do. God is extending his heart hand out to you today and his heart out to you today. And he is saying, my child, my son, my daughter, God is saying would you lay your head on my bosom and would you come into intimacy with me I know you have a lot to do. I know you have kids to take care of. I know you have a job to be about. I know you run a company. I know you're successful. I know you're a pastor. I know there's congregation and there's sheep and there's flock and there's people who are waiting on you. I know people are desiring for your time and your phone is busy and you need to go on Instagram. I know you need to go out and have a barbecue. It's a hot day. It's sunny. I know you need to go and see your friends. I know there's things to do. I know the house is not clean. I know you've got laundry up until your eyeballs. I know you need to do your hair and my natural sister I know you need to condition, and you need to put that rice water in your hair. You need to do all of these things, but God is saying in the midst of all of that, would you stop? Would you stop, says God? Would you give me a moment of your time? Would you allow me to interrupt your day? Would you allow me to speak a word into your heart? Would you come at the feet of Jesus? Would you be a Mary in a Martha season? Would you be a Mary in a Martha season? Jesus said to Martha, you know, it's not what you're doing is wrong, but he says this to Martha, Mary has chosen the needful thing. Mary has chosen the needful thing. Not to say what Martha was doing wasn't right, but was it needful in that moment? We have to be able to discern the time, saints. We have to be able to discern the times. We have to be able to look around at our world and say, hey, it looks like our king is coming home any moment soon. It looks like our king is coming home any moment soon. And will our hearts be ready for him? Will our hearts be ready for him? We will we be a Mary in a Martha season? Or will we be found busy about God, but not actually at the feet of God? And you know, even as a minister, as a preacher, as a writer, somebody who has things to do for God. I'm constantly challenging myself. Kika, are you so busy doing? Are you spending more time with him in the secret place than you are doing things for him? Because this thing, the scales have to, it has to outweigh one another. I have to be more found in the secret place than I am found in the outer courts of God. The outer courts is where the activity is going on. There's loads of noise and there's loads of things going on. But I wanna be found in that holy of holies. I wanna be found in that secret place and I know that it cost me something. It costs me time. And I know it's gonna cost me my desires because sometimes the truth is, I just don't desire to be in that place if I'm being very honest with you. Sometimes I desire to be out of that place doing things, but I know that my heart's longing and my heart's home is in that place. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, I was thinking of some of the things that we substitute for intimacy some of the things that we substitute for intimacy with God. And one of them, one of them is activity. Like I shared earlier, one of them is activity. We become so busy doing for God that we actually negate the fact that, do we really know God? Have we heard from him today? Do I know his voice? Have I spent time with him? But another thing that we do is we substitute intimacy for intellect. We substitute intimacy for intellect. You know, the scripture I believe that we were given for this, uh, for this conference is Psalm 25 and 14. And it says this, it says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. God has a secret. Can you believe that? I love it. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he shows them his covenant what is the secret of the Lord? Now, you know, I'm no scholar, right? And I don't claim to know, but I can perceive maybe from my relationship with the Lord, that the secret of the Lord must be love. I believe the secret of the Lord must be love. Love is his secret for he is love. And when we get to a place where we fall in love with the Lord, I promise you, nothing else matters. There's a... a, a, um. Uh, oh God, what is, this, what is this thing called? There's a song, a hymn, sorry. There's a hymn that I love. And the hymn says this it says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And then the things of this world will begin to grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And then the things of this world will begin to grow strangely dim. What does that mean? It means when you put Jesus in focus, everything else begins to fall out of focus. When you you make yourself a disciple of Psalm 25 and 14, that you can say, Lord, my heart longs to know the secret of the Lord. My heart longs to know the secret of the Lord. Everything else begins to fall out of focus and God begins to be the primary, the primary focus. I think of Moses and the Lord says this about Moses in Exodus 33 and 11. The Lord says he spoke to Moses as one would speak to a friend. Can you imagine that? God spoke to a man, a fleshly man like you and I and God spoke to him as one would speak to a friend. That's just incredible to me that God would speak to a mere man with such intimacy. But you know what's funny about Moses? Before Moses was able to get these revelations from God, Moses had to climb up Mount Sinai. Now Mount Sinai was no easy faith, okay? So Moses had to work his way into that place of intimacy with God Intimacy with God will cost you something, my friend. Intimacy with God will cost you something. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your desires. It will cost you the life that you wanted for yourself. It will cost you obedience. My goodness. It will cost you obedience. Jesus says this in John 15 and 14. He says, you are my friend if you do what I command of you. And then he told us anyway, one command that's greater than any other command, to love. To love. To love. And when you love the lord your love is proven by obedience you know we live in a world that's so fickle sometimes we say we love one another but we behave in a way that proves that we don't so god is saying lip service isn't enough for me if you say you love me that love is proven by your obedience to me and how do we obey god we come into his presence we sit before him we listen to what he has to say and then we act out what he tells us in obedience But my friend, how will you ever get an instruction from God if you never sit still long enough to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to you? Not just what he's saying to the body of Christ, not just what he's saying to Jesus' house, but what the spirit of the Lord is saying to you. What is God saying to you in this time? What has he personally said to you? Not to your household only, but to you. What is God's word to you? Now, I can't find that out for you. Your pastors can't find that out for you. Your friend or your Bible study group, your small, your small group or your cell group, they can't find that out for you. You have to find that out for you. And here's the beautiful thing about it. You can know it because God has made himself easy to find. If you search me with all of your heart, says God, and you seek me, you'll find me for I'll let you find me. So God is saying to you today, I want you to find me. But you need to be still enough. You need to come into the place of intimacy enough to be able to hear me, that you can perceive what I'm saying to you. Amen? Hallelujah. Another thing that I wrote here is that we cannot be so busy doing for Jesus that we don't actually come to Jesus. We cannot be so busy doing for Jesus that we don't actually come to know Jesus. I go back again to when Jesus said, depart from me, I don't know you. Yes, you cast out demons in my name. Yes, you did this in my name. Yes, you, you, know, you may have built churches in my name. You may have had events in my name. You may have written books in my name. You were successful in my name. But imagine the Lord standing before you and saying, but I didn't know you. And you know, that's not a statement of insult. It's a statement of fact. that some of us are so busy doing for God that we haven't stopped to really come into intimacy with him. Now, all of that to say, what are some of the ways that we can come to know God in intimacy? I pray that as you're listening right now, that even if you are one that has walked in intimacy with God, I promise you there's so much more. I promise you there's so much more. The Bible speaks in Revelation about the angels that go around the throne of God. And every time that they go around his throne, scripture alludes to the fact that they see something new that literally makes them take their breath away all over again. For all of eternity, they've been going around the throne of God, yet they see a new facet of his beauty that makes them marvel in awe all over again so even when you and I think oh I've arrived I know God oh my goodness there's a depth to know him even yet still there's greater to know even still there's more of a way to go even still so one of the ways that we can make sure that we're keeping the main thing the main thing is number one to have a daily awareness of God Have a daily awareness of God, a daily awareness. Bring God into your everyday life. I challenge you this coming week to bring God into your everyday life. Speak to him as you would speak to a friend. And you know, the enemy, he has this sly way of making us think, oh, can I speak to God? It's less about you being able to speak to God. I want you to focus on the fact that God died, rose again, Sat on the right hand of the Father is our Lord and Savior Jesus. And he has made a way for God to speak to you. It's not so much about your ability to speak to God or to hear God. It's God's infinite ability to be able to speak to man. You know, we think about Jonah. Jonah was in utter disobedience. He refused to go to Nineveh. Utter disobedience. In the belly of a great fish. But yet Jonah still heard the voice of God. Is that because Jonah was behaving right? Absolutely not. We see from scripture that he was in disobedience. So how come even a man in disobedience could hear God? Because it's not about our ability to hear God. It's God's ability, his grace, his mercy, and his love to be able to speak to us. So if that's you right now and you're listening and you're saying, Kika, I feel like I was disqualified or I disqualified myself from being somebody who can hear from God. I'm buying that lie in the name of Jesus. You can hear from God. Because it's not your ability to hear, it's God's divine ability to speak to you, to open up the the ears of your spirit, man, that he may pour out the voice of the Lord on the inside of you so you can be able to hear him. It's God's ability, my friend, it's not your ability. That's what grace is. It's everything we don't deserve, but everything that he is imputed on the inside of us, that we may benefit from such a glorious savior. So understanding that, it's a daily awareness. Bring God into your everyday life. When you wake up in the morning, find God in the mundane. Find God in the mundane. Treasure God in the mundane. It's not about the, the big things. I mean, our services, our church services, the physical building has been closed for months. But yet, we can still know God in our hearts. We are, the church is not a building, we are the church. So when I say bring God into the mundane, bring him into your everyday routine. Ladies, while you're doing your hair, talk to God. I mean, one of the ways that I became intimate with God, actually, I started my walk of intimacy with the Lord when I was about 18 years old. I love to do my nails. These are stick-ons because of Corona. But (laughs) one of the things that I would do is I would actually go into the nail shop and speak to the Lord and say to the Lord, what color should I do today? And sometimes I would hear the Lord say to me this colour and I'm like, that's not very me. That's not the colour I would have chosen. But OK, Lord, if you say to do that colour, I'll do that colour. And then I would get compliments that week from people and they'll say, Oh, I really like your nail colour. so different. And I'm like, oh, the Lord chose it. But even that is intimate. Even that is a relationship with God. That is the greatest relationship with God, when you can bring him into the mundane. Because I promise you something, if you can't hear God and obey him in the little things, the likelihood of you hearing him and obeying him in the big things are very slim. You have to practice the voice of God. Practice the presence of God. Wake up in the morning, Lord, what should I have for breakfast? You can ask him. And, you know, I I hear some, you know, some some things that are said sometimes. And sometimes we say this in Christendom. We say, no, God has given us a brain. So, you know, we can know what to have for breakfast. And I know that's the truth. I know I can choose for myself what I want to have for breakfast. But sometimes, some mornings, I just want to wake up and say, God, what do you think I should have? And even though it seems mundane, even though it seems silly and routine, even though it seems childlike, That's how our hearts should wanna be with our father. We should wanna be childlike with him. God, where should I go today? God, should I call that person today? Should I take that telephone call today? And then that's when you can start asking, God, should I take that job? Should I marry this person? What is the name of my child, God? What should I name this child? Should we move to that place? Should we buy that house? Should we move countries? When you are used to hearing God in the little things, you have built enough relationship with him that you can trust his voice. You know the voice of the one you're following, that you are then able to trust him and entrust to him the bigger decisions of your life. Why? Because you've practiced hearing his voice, even in the mundane, even in the little things, you've learned to hear the voice of God. A second thing that I would say is prayer. Prayer is a place where you can learn intimacy with God. Prayer is a place where you can learn to open up your ears, to attune your ears to God. And what is prayer? Prayer is not necessarily you on your knees. It can be, absolutely it can be. Prayer can be warfare, it can be you on your knees. But my friend, prayer can be you lying in bed with your eyes closed and just speaking to God. Prayer can be you on the train, eyes closed, speaking to God. Prayer can be you in the midst of a million people and you're just there centered, speaking to God. That is prayer. And the Bible commands that we pray without season. That means to always have an inner awareness of God, always having an inner awareness of god the psalmist says i set the lord always before me because he's at my right hand i shall not be moved i set the lord always before me i'm always aware of his presence it's a mental discipline it's a habit we have to cultivate the habit of thinking about god sometimes it's not even necessarily about being in this word we should be in the word but the times when you're not in the word the times when you're not with your bible open you should be thinking about Jesus and meditating on his word day and night, just spending time thinking about him. The same way that a lover would spend time just thinking about the one they love. You can just spend time sitting down, carve out time just to think about God. And somebody can tap you and say, what are you thinking about? I'm just thinking about my savior. I'm just thinking about God. I'm just thinking about, you know, the way that he turned water into wine. I'm just thinking about when he walked on water. Oh, I'm thinking about when he took out the whip and he beat the beat the money changers out of the temple. I'm thinking about when he was hung on the cross and he said, "Father, forgive them for they know not what they do." I'm thinking about him. I'm thinking about when he used his hand and pulled Peter out of the sinking water. I'm just thinking about him. I'm thinking about his goodness. I'm thinking about his mercy just to spend time thinking about God. Because what you give your mind's attention to, you ultimately become. Your life goes in the direction of your thoughts. And if you are thinking on Christ, and you are thinking on what is peaceable, what is lovely, what is good, what is life-giving, if you spend time meditating on Jesus, ultimately, you begin to live a life that begins to mimic the very Lord and Savior that you say is yours, amen? I have another point down here, and it's to search the scriptures looking for him. My God, search the scriptures. This thing, the Bible, search it looking for a person. Don't search it looking for knowledge. Search it looking for Jesus. You know, there's something about humanity where whatever we are looking for, we ultimately find. If you search this thing wanting to know things, you'll find things, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. But I want to challenge you that sometimes when you open this book, search it looking for a person. Search it looking for Jesus. You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said to them, you search the scriptures believing in them that you'll find life. But you don't realize that this thing here, these words are pointing to me and you won't come to me for the life. Jesus is saying that this is a mirror that shows shows you me. This is an entryway that leads you to me. He's telling you, don't even stop here. Keep reading and ask the spirit of the Lord to open up the scriptures for you so that you can see who is in the scripture. The living word, Christ Jesus himself, so that he can become real to you. And I believe when we get to that place, we start to enter into realms of intimacy. Where even our bible reading time is not just mundane reading our bible reading time becomes a place where we are looking for somebody so that's another point for you is to search the scriptures looking for god another point i have here is to talk to god like you would a friend talk to god the same way that you would talk to a friend i remember i would literally at 19 years old or so when i first got around the time i first got saved I would speak to God about my life story like he didn't know it. Like I would literally sit God down. I don't know if he was sitting, right? But I would literally sit down with the Lord and I would tell him about my life. I would tell him my name. I would tell him my date of birth. I would tell him what happened to me when I was two. And then this happened when I was six and I came to you know this place and moved schools and I was eight. And I would tell God all about my life. I would build relationship with him. You can do that. Now you don't have to do it the way that I did it. But I'm just encouraging you to carve out a place for God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And I hear the Lord saying this as a final point. The Lord says this to you. He says, have a place where you meet with me. I believe that's so important. That's going to be so key for so many of you in the days and the times that are coming. Have a place with God. God is saying, have a place with me. There's a place that I would go to with God. It's a certain park around my area and I would just sit in that place with him. Whenever I wanted to just have a deep and intimate moment with him, I just go for a walk and just sit in that place with God. I believe the Lord, he just literally reminded me to tell you to have a place with him. Have a place with Him. Yes, a position in your heart, but I believe God is calling for a physical place as well. Whether it's just in your car, whether it's in your bed, whether it's in your bathroom. Listen, I remember living in a flat so small. My intimate place with God was in the bathtub. I would literally just get in the bathtub and sit in the bathtub with clothes on and just sit there and talk to God because it was the only quiet place that I could find with Him. I believe God is calling the same for you to still. Be still, sit still and find a place with God on a walk, in a room, wherever it be, just have a place where you know I'm going to meet with God. And I pray for you, Jesus House. I pray for everybody that's listened to this. I thank you, Jesus, that hearts have been stirred to want to know you in deeper, deeper realms. And I thank you, Jesus, that you're extending your heart and you're extending your heart that your people may know you. I thank you, Lord, that the times that we are living in are showing us that we cannot afford to bury our treasures in places where moths can eat it. We have to bury our treasures in a place that's safe, which is in the safety, the banner, in the heart of the Most High God. I thank you, Lord, God, that our hearts will not be to do, but our hearts will be to be. And I thank you, Lord, God, that even in our place of being, you would even make us more fruitful than when we're just doing it on our own and in our own accord. And I bless everybody listening. And I just thank you again for listening. And I pray that this has encouraged you greater than ever before to want to know God, because my friend, I promise you, God, he's reaching out his hand, he's extending his heart, and his desire is to be found by you. He would allow himself to be found by you. And it's whosoever Whosoever would desire to be found by God, whosoever would desire to find God will find him. He's a he's prize that's worth having and he's the gift that keeps on giving. Thank you so much for listening. Yes.